following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. Hey ho, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, bringing you the good times in music, fashion, pop culture, and entertainment. We got a fantastic show for you guys today. Uh, two amazing guests starting off with the Hollywood godfather, Gianni Russo. And then we have Sam Jones, a.k.a. Flash Gordon himself, uh, coming on. So two big celebrities with great, great accomplishments and very interesting stories. And we're going to have a blast. Uh, before we get started with anything, let's just say hi real quick to whoever the hell this is. <laughs> Don't fool around with me, fatso, because you ain't going to go nowhere but in the next bridge we build, all right? You understand me? Don't fool around with me. I ain't got no patience for this kind of stuff. Forget about it, because I'm going to be like crazy today. You know? Hey, talk nice to me or else you're dead. Don't and fool. And there's Astro. What? Trying to figure out who you are. This is my dog, Astro. He's the only thing I trust. I don't trust nobody. Goes Because they all are squealers. They all get you in the end. You know what I'm saying? I don't talk nothing to nobody. They say nobody. you look like a monster. What? Though. What's up, chat room? Hey, everybody in the chat room. The chat room's starting to fill up. Yes, Ron looks like a mobster. Cause- and he looks like a fag. He looks, talks like a faggot, too. Talk like a girl. You talk like a sissy fag. Oh, yeah. If you came to Brooklyn, we knocked the shit out of you. We beat you all over the street. We don't like those sissy fairy men. And we want to say hi in the chat room. We've got Cindy, Cindy Lady Lake in the chat room. Oh, Cindy Boomer Lady Mays. Lake, I heard she puts out. You know, yeah, don't I heard she's a real good turn. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady Lake, I heard the name. Lady Lake, I saw it in Macy's on the bathroom wall. I was sitting there and it says, if you want a good time, call Lady Lake. If yeah, right. A, if it's the same Lady You're Lake. You're going to get upset. You're going to upset people. No, don't I'm do not. I don't know. Like Maybe it's not the same Lady Lake. It's a different <laughs> Lady Lake. There's a lot of lakes in the world, you know. Boomer's in there, too. What's Boom? up, Boomer? Boomer Mays, the football player's in there. Boomer, and- Boomer, where's your ball? JB, JB from Russia. So the chat room's starting to fill up, you guys. We really do have an exciting show for you guys today. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get rid of all that now. It's time to give you that. Why? I got to meet the guest. I got to talk to him. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's not coming about? on for a couple of minutes. When is he coming on? What, did he run away already? He's afraid? I, I know he's a scary guy. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah right. Anyway. All right. Come so, you guys, we got a really good show for you guys yeah. today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we start bringing anybody on and talking, we want to uh, – uh, tell everybody where you can listen to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. We're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Prime. Lots of great outlets. We want to thank everybody who tuned in last week because we had a great response We're to like last diarrhea. week's diarrhea. We go all over. We spread like diarrhea. You know how diarrhea goes all over? 
That's what he's diarrhea. What are you talking about? Come All on, over. Man. And this show, uh, the promos for this show got tons of hits. Everybody's really looking forward to both the guests that we have yeah, coming yeah, on today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk, it's going to be a lot yap. of fast. All he does is yap, yap, yap. Yeah, talk, talk, talk. That's all you do is talk, talk, talk. The dog doesn't know what to do with you. Say hi to everybody in the chat that room. That show doesn't understand me. Hi, asshole, kissing me. Say hi to everybody in the chat room. There's the only one I like to make out with. Say hi to everybody in the chat room. Who, me? Yes. What am I going to say hello to the chat room? I give a shit about the people in the chat room. I have them all killed tomorrow. Yeah, right. I mean, they, what do I care? Chat room. Give me a break with chat room. I'm, I want to go into a pool hall room or a gambling room where there's cards. You know what I'm saying? So we could play cards and I could win a couple of dollars. Well, chat room? What's a chat room? A bunch of people in there listening eavesdropping, snooping on me. Oh, yeah? Well, you see what you're going to get if you snoop on me, baby. <laughs> they love Astro, though. Well, yes, I don't know who the hell I am. I don't know either. But this is how I play when I work in the movies. You know, I always play a wise guy, a tough guy from Brooklyn, because it's very easy for me to have my Brooklyn accent whenever I want it. It sounds a little bit too much. <laughs> no, it's not too much. <laughs> You've never been around wise guys, faggot. This is how we talk, big sissy Mary girl bottom bitch. This is how we talk, all right? We talk about like this. You know, don't mess with me. Forget about it. You're going to get it. Don't talk. Don't go. Don't do. Just be a nice guy. Sit there like a little fairy and do your thing. <laughs> anyway. Look at him with a beard. He thinks he's, he's going to fool everybody. He puts a beard on so people don't know he's a big girl. Anyway. So hit me to shut up. See, I got to. This one's going to get knocked off. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this one. After the show, this one's going to be in the next bridge they build. Yeah. So before we bring on our first guest, you guys, we're going to play a quick little video. Uh, many of you know Gianni Russo. Uh, he's been in tons of films, and one of the films that he's extremely well known for is The Godfather, where he plays Carlo Rizzi, Don Carleone's wife and uh, wife-beating son-in-law, actually. Yeah. And uh, so here we got a quick little uh, video we're going to play, and then we're going to bring him on. This is Carlo Rizzi's death from The Godfather. Enjoy, everybody. You're finished. I'm putting you on a plane to Vegas. Tom? I want you to stay there. You understand? Uh-huh. Only don't tell me you're innocent. Because it insults my intelligence. It makes me very angry. Now, who approached you? Tatalia or Barzini? It was Barzini. Good. There's a car waiting for you outside. Take it to the airport. I'll call your wife. Tell her what flight you're on. Get out of my sight.
Yay! What's up, everybody? So that was Carlo Rizzi getting killed in The Godfather, and the man who portrayed him is getting ready to come on. Let's make sure we can hear him, and then I'll make an introduction and bring him on in. Can hey, you hear me? Now you're alive. We just saw you die, but now you're alive. <laughs> 52 years ago that was. I can't believe it. 52 years ago. If you mess with the boys, you get it. We got it. What's the big deal? Move on. Who's this guy, Johnny Russo, anyway? All right, we're going to introduce all him. All right, everybody. You? Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, actor, author, crooner, entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Gianni Russo. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Before we do anything, just make sure you send a $40,000 check to me for being on the show. <laughs> all right? You, yeah, make you can it play him over it when you get it. I check out to Rocco. Rocco, that's me. All right. So this is my cool, outrageous man oh. about town, Ron Russell, co-host. Say hi, Ron. Not you. Get rid of your character now. It's time no, to go to normal. I, 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 like being like, I like being like this, you know, because Johnny Russo is supposed to be a big shot, wise guy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find out now and interview with. So say hi normally. There you go. Hi, Johnny Russo. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show and for letting me fool around and have some fun with it. Uh, I like to make fun of, of the so-called mafia that doesn't exist, but of course people love the word. The word was invented by the press, you know. The mafia never called themselves the mafia, the news did. So there's no such thing as the mafia. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, right, Johnny Russo. <laughs> I, I don't know what what book you're reading, but that's okay. <laughs> Johnny, you know, I have. I have uh, listen, we always uh, we always had a lot of fun with this. When I used to go back to Brooklyn, we go to an Italian restaurant. All the guys would get around, and I would say to them, "Gee, I'm glad there's no such thing as the mafia." <laughs> well, Jay Guhuva said that for a long time. If you remember. Oh, that- yeah, that was a, absolutely. That, that was a joke years ago. They used to say that. So before we go anywhere, I have to like uh, first of all say hi to everybody in the chat room. The chat room is filling up, so say hi to everybody in the chat room. Hi everybody in the chat room. Thank you for coming in. Or where, where, they were all tuning in on Zoom or what? How, how do you uh, they're on, they go on YouTube, so YouTube. this is live on YouTube. So they're watching on YouTube, and then people are listening all over the place. And before um, we go any further, and Johnny, I never blow smoke up anybody's ass. So don't think I'm full of shit in what I'm going to say to you. You're 80 years old. You look goddamn well. You're still a handsome man. And you were gorgeous in that Godfather movie. Jesus Christ, what a handsome young fella. But then weren't we all? I didn't look like this pile of shit when I was young either. <laughs> I mean, now I got like a decrepit old man. So before but, we go you're, anywhere. You're a looking guy. Wait a minute. No, I've got to do you, something. You still have the broads coming after you? I'm doing well yet, yeah. You know. I mean, like if you, go, if, you go, if you go to a club, if you go to a club, I bet you all the women jump all over you. Well, most of the po- clubs I'm in now, I'm playing at. You know, I'm doing a lot of singing yet, fortunately. And right. um, so with that, in fact, I just turned the book into a musical as a one man oh, show. It's doing really well. Wait, which book? Uh, Hollywood Godfather. Yes, yeah, for you. All right. So we'll talk about that. We're going to bring that up in a sec. Before we do that, though, because I've got Eileen's got to work, but she wants me to make sure I say so. Eileen Shapiro, who uh, actually helped set this whole thing up and is my business partner, she wants me to make sure I say hello to you and that she's listening, but she's not in the chat room because she's working. So say hi to Eileen. Eileen, thank you. She's been great, though. I just met her a couple of weeks ago, man. She really is a networker. Absolutely. She's yes. terrific. She's terrific. And she's got the biggest pair of tits you ever saw in your life. <laughs> 
<laughs> but listen, you made I, them famous. I, I've watched you on YouTube about four or five shows, so I know all about you from the YouTube. Everybody, go to YouTube and look up Johnny Russo. You're going to freak Actually, out. Actually, yeah. well, he talks about Marilyn Monroe. He talks about murdering somebody. He talks about his life when he was young. These these videos on YouTube are sensational. Wait, wait. So you're not telling it correctly. So John Gianni Russo, you guys, has his I own have. podcast. He's the host of Hollywood Godfather. It's a podcast. Everybody can tune in uh, on YouTube now and listen to it. He's also on YouTube. See, you don't know what you're talking about. I do, too. This is a YouTube podcast. I just said it. No, he's on YouTube. Being interviewed by a million people. Oh, well, he people. gets lots of interviews. He's all too. over the fucking place. That's true. I mean, too. he's on everything on YouTube. Thank God. No, really. <laughs> no, just go go to YouTube and look up Johnny Russo. He'll be there for a month, looking at all of the uh, the, the videos on him. So he also, you guys, just said that he uh, he's just said that he's always on stage. So he's got several CDs that are out uh, that you guys can get. He's. Uh, Done. I actually wrote some of them down. So let's see. So CD Reflections, an homage to Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, A Man Alone and Live, Live at Feinstein's. So you still work. You still have a voice then. Your voice still works. Oh, my verse is really well right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in great shape for my age because of the fact I take care of myself. I walk two or three miles a day. I eat well, and I'm, I still weigh 155. <laughs> That's all of that. There you go. I do the same thing. That's why I'm still alive, and I look well also. Uh, you made love to Marilyn Monroe. Not really. You know, we, we both, I don't want to confuse anybody. Marilyn and I had a tremendous relationship. We both were had a situation when we were 12 years old. She was put into a foster home at 12. I was in Bellevue until I was 12. I was there for five years with polio in 1949. And when we first met, we just wanted a genuine hug, and we became friends before anything. But Marilyn had this thing with her, uh, giving her body to most people. And it was wild when my career kept going on, like with Tony Curtis and uh, Marlon Brando, like you said, and Sinatra. They all been with her for that reason. She feels that's all she had to give. And it was sad, really, how they took advantage of her, basically. Tony Curtis and I were really uh, pretty good friends. And in private, of course, I asked Tony about Marilyn. Tony had sex with Marilyn many, many times. In fact, he got her pregnant once. And I said to Tony, what was she like in bed? He said she was very oral. He said she'd like to give head more than get laid because she had problem with her vagina for some reason. It didn't work or it hurt her or whatever. So everybody that thought about Marilyn Monroe as the ultimate bang, forget it, boys. She was just a girl that was a victim of men who uh, used her. And, oh, did. and Tony Curtis told me that she was on her knees all the time and she really got used. Beautiful Marilyn Monroe. I don't think Frank Sinatra ever had sex with her, according to Frank. He uh, loved her as a friend. Yeah, I mean, Frank, Frank, as you just said, respected. I got to know. I'm, you know it's funny because going through my life, like you mentioned, Tony Curtis. I did a movie with Tony Curtis called Lepke. He played Louis Buchholz, and I played Albert Anastasia, which I thought was very funny at the time because right. Tony Anastasia is my godfather for confirmation, his brother. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, it's all these things. And I met Tony Curtis as a kid when I was 12 or 13 because right. I used to go to New York Paramount at night to sleep. It was either St. Patrick's Cathedral, it was open 24 hours a day, or the Paramount. And I saw something like it hot maybe 20 times. 
and they were all in it together. And that's my introduction to Marilyn, even. But um, it's funny how it, it life just keeps imitating what we really do and don't do. Well, I was best friends with Jane Russell for years and years. We were like brother and sister. In fact, I took her name. My name is Serego. It's not Russell. But back in my day, ethnic names didn't work. So I became Ron Russell. And Jane and I spoke often about Marilyn and about Marilyn when she worked on A Gentleman Prefer Blondes with Jane. Right. And Jane said that war that they made, that fight between them was a lie. The press did it just for publicity, that Marilyn was a very, very shy, intimidated little girl who was gullible, but yet very shrewd. So I don't know how you can have all those emotions in one person without being crazy. And Jane Russell said to me, yes, Marilyn Monroe was murdered by the Kennedys. Oh, no. Absolutely, she was murdered. She well, never. It's funny because when I wrote my book in 95, the publishers didn't want to print it. I indemnified them. And now with the new Netflix thing about Marilyn this right. July, they confirmed everything I wrote in 95 about Robert Kennedy. And, and even Peter Lawford was there driving around L.A. You can't be an attorney general and go into a state and think nobody's going to know you were there. Right. So poor Marilyn, she came to a bitter end because she fooled around with the wrong people. Now, uh, you know, people said the mafia, the mafia. The mafia is a group of Italian people who came to this country and were treated very poorly. So they organized a thing called the Black Hand, of which my great uncle was a member of the Black Hand. He used to supply all the linens. His name was Vincenzo Vincenzani, and he used to supply all the linens to all the restaurants in New York City. And if you didn't use him, they'd blow up your store. Well, that's how they worked it. But, well, <laughs> that's that how was, they did it. Just well, this is back. This is hey, Johnny. This is back in eighteen ninety-three. I'm going back. I mean, I'm going back. I'm an old bag, and my great, great uncle was old. Anyway, Vincenzo Vincenzani was a tough guy, and he was with the Black Hand. Italians had to do that because the Irish and the German wouldn't let the Italians work, and they wouldn't give them a place to live. And they came here to, as immigrants without knowing the language and were poorly treated. I know a lot of so-called mafia people. They are the most reliable, nicest people you want to know. If you're good and you're a good friend, they will treat you well. If you're a, a rat, a no-good son of a bitch, that's another story. But saying that the government is the mafia, the Kennedys were mafia. Kennedy's father was a mafioso. Joe Kennedy was a big mafia guy. He Talk about he, it. Was, he was partners with Frank Costello during Prohibition. They did $30 million each during the 30s. They still own buildings in New York. You see, see behind me? There's a dining room table, 16 people, it says, from the chair. Frank Costello, when he died, left me this apartment. This was a wire room in New York. I used to come here as a kid. My bedroom had 20 phone riders in it with a blackboard. And I used to come here and sleep. And then he said, you know, he said, why don't you just stay uptown? Because one day there was a big snowstorm. We were at the Coco closing up. Right. And he said, go, you know, they never used the street number that I live on. It was the address on the street. He said, go to 223, you have a key. Because we had keys. We weren't right in the lobby because I'm bringing up money and picking up money. And uh, they, the only reason he gave me a job, he felt sorry for me. And he happened to know my uncle in Sicily, Angelo Russo, who was responsible for a lot of these guys coming over earlier. 
in the, in the day before. Costello was a, a kid when he got in, but he knew Angelo Russo in Sicily, who was my right. great uncle on my father's side. But uh, I've heard all these stories, and like you, they came here for a purpose. Then they got, you know, the money got involved, and drugs got involved, and that's why a lot of the old timers didn't want to get involved with drugs. That's right, because they knew it was going to, you know, everybody's going to turn their way, and, and and the money's going to be the power, and that's it. So two the, things: wait, wait, the people I knew did not do drugs. If you did drugs, you were in big trouble. You they did loan sharking and gambling. That's it. Exactly. Well, no prostitution either. Just loan sharking and gambling. And you know, that's there's one scene, there's one scene in the what's Las Vegas. Las Vegas is all what? Gambling and loan sharking. So what's the big deal? Well, now it is now it's not even that. It's corporation. No, now now it's Disneyland, a bunch of baby carriages and oh, weirdos. It's crazy. So I read in your thing that you uh, started an organized crime as an errand boy for Frank Costello. That's exactly right. No, he, he found me in front of the Sherry Netherlands Hotel. Ballpoint pens just came out. And I, I used to go with my grandfather, Leo Rabinowitz's store on Delancey Street. And this one time I remember my grandfather was getting pads and pencils for the club. And Leo ben, Rabinowitz was so happy about ballpoint pens. Look, Vito, he said, you don't need inkwells no more. It holds its own. And he was so excited, my grandfather just walked out. The next day I went back, because I told him, I said, you know, I'm impressed with these pens. Give me a couple of pens. Give, I give nothing to no one. I said, let me correct myself then. Lend me 50 pens. I'm going to go all around the neighborhood and sell them. Everybody wants these pens. Because it was a problem having a pen years ago. You had to have ink, you had to have this. Yeah. And uh, with that said, I exhausted the neighborhood. I went uptown. And sure enough, here comes Frank Costello every day. I used to stop and stop at the Sherry Netherlands to get shoe shine. I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know anything about it. But and then he'd come out and give me words of wisdom. Never took a pen. Never took a pen. Give me five dollars, ten dollars. That's like a hundred dollar bill then. And uh, then we he asked my name one day and I said it. And my uh, next question. Hang on, wait, wait, let him finish. I'm sorry, did I? Because I'm not it? done. Yeah, because I'm I'm not done. So wait one second. Okay, no, that's I mean. That's oh, okay, a, so uh, is yours on that topic? Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. So that's what happens when you get to be 82 years old. You forget everything. No, because well, I want to I want to tie it into TV a little bit because in the chat room they're asking me what you thought of your portrayal in the offer. Uh, of the portrayal oh of in the offer. We have not seen it yet. We're going we need to watch it. Right. The offer is like the making of the Godfather. I right. have, I have I have not seen it. I will not see it. People have called me on it. I can't believe and I don't know why they did this to me after 50 years of a great movie. The offer has scenes in it that never happened. I mean, it, it's crazy and there's there's even scenes saying that I beat up Tyre Shire. Now, Taya Shire's mother and father were on the set. Their brother is Francis, her brother's Francis Ford Coppola. Well, yes. He's going to allow me to beat up his sister. I mean, it's so stupid. Oh, well, let's not go there. Oh, no, that's good to oh, tell wait, everybody, wait, wait, though. Wait wait, 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 wait. We just, last week we were in court, okay? Some nuts said that I punched him in the back of the head at an interview. Could you believe this? Me, with my reputation. People come out of the woodwork to sue oh, you or to lie. No, this they weren't suiting. Happened. They weren't suing me. The offer exaggerated everything about me in that movie. 
calling me a punk and oh, I mean everything else. Oh, I got called worse than you. Oh, wait, I want to let everybody know that. So everybody listening from the words of the mouth of Gianni Russo, like the shit's bullshit. The offer is bullshit. And uh, we haven't seen it. Like everybody asks us about it. And we, we know several, you know, through Ron and people he knows and through some other people, we no, don't no, know a lot know, of the people. You know what? I would like you to clear up a little mystery for me. Okay. Please. We have a friend who claims to be the son of, uh, yeah, a little illegitimate son of Albert Anastasia. Of Anastasia. I heard about this kid. I don't know him. I mean, so I couldn't. He's, he's a kid. He's a, as old as we are. He's no kid anymore. He's 83. Yeah, he wouldn't be. Well, his father is 170. Yeah. Anyway, he, <laughs> he he claims to be. So, you know, some people say he's full of crap. Some people But say, he also told us that it was the mob who got him into all, because he's in, like, huge movies, Superman, King Kong, like, all these, like, huge movies with good roles. We could use his name. Oh, yes, yeah, Jack O'Halloran. Jack O'Halloran. He's a good friend of ours. Jack is a good guy. And he even wrote a book that they're making into, like, a movie, right. you know, about, so, so about he, it. So he talks about the mob and what went on years ago. Um, one question, Johnny. Is the mob around? Does it still exist? Well, I just came from Sicily. I'm doing a world tour because of the 50th anniversary. And uh, I have relatives that are still there. So I know they're still around. I don't know if they're as, as open as they used to be. They finally went back to their old tradition and keep your mouth shut and be unknown. It was a private right. organization. Right. But Brooklyn is no longer the Italian mafia. It is Russian. Oh, my God. The Russians have taken Brooklyn over, and they are the worst mafia of all because they'll kill children and mothers and fathers. They don't give a shit. There's, At least there's so many gangs now, Spanish, Albanian. There's everything out there now. Forget about yeah. It. I mean, even, even – Forget about it, he said. Oh, <laughs> Damn, say that again. I like that. We all say no, it. I mean, I use it all the time. Forget about it. You know, I, I, I go, <laughs> you know what? That's that's so Brooklyn. I, people laugh at me when I say forget about it because it's – it, it has an Italian accent to it. Forget about it. You know. So I, I say so it I, to my grandchildren a lot. <laughs> forget about it. I tell Jimmy all the time, forget about it. What are you going? You so know? I also read in your book, so I think Frank Sinatra is your one of your children's godparent. Luciano, yeah, my son Luciano. Luciano's godparent, and that they didn't that uh um oh who's the guy from the uh who? Who's the guy that Lorraine Landon's Oh, was married to Brandon. Mar and Marlon Brando didn't want you in The Godfather, that you had a problem with Marlon Brando on the set of The Godfather. They didn't want you. Well, early on, I had a problem with everybody because, you know, how I got the part was through Joe Colombo. I was not an actor. I never acted in my life. Yeah, they didn't want to act with you. Yeah, they didn't want to act with me. They were afraid you were going to blow the scene. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was. And I can understand it now, digesting it. But, you know, what, what happened for me, it always my life is always a... a it starts off negative and turn it around. The fact that I was not an actor when Dick Smith was making the transformation for him to become the Godfather, it took three hours. Dick Smith was his personal makeup guy. And uh, what happened, we, we had a rehearsal up in 119th Street, which I used to go there all, in, all the time, bringing overnight loans to the Genovese family at Zing and Egg Games and everything. That's all I was doing, running around. And I was up there that afternoon. And they said to me, what are you doing here? I mean, Pat, Pat Tony Salerno, uh, Tony, I mean, Tony Jennifer. I mean, you name guys, real guys. And they said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm, I'm here for the rehearsal. They said, for what? I said, the Godfather. I said, get out of here. You're not an actor. And all the actors were coming in. That's where they had the rehearsal. That's the only reason I was there. 
was 119th Street at three o'clock in the afternoon. And um, then I, and before we were allowed to meet Marlon Brando, everybody was there, the whole cast, and we we're going to have a table read. And Coppola said, "We're going to have food served. We want you to, for the Italians to exaggerate your mannerisms and your speech, because all the non-Italians have a week to become an Italian." Like you know, Marlon Brando was Polish, Jimmy Conn was Jewish. They don't they didn't know. So the first break, Brando came over to me, and he said, "You have a big TV movie coming out." I said, "No." He said, "Well, you got a you got a big movie coming in theaters." I said, "No." He said, "Well, you're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway." I said, "You're right again. What's this a quiz show?" So he, said, <laughs> so he says to me, "Who'd you study with?" I said, "What are you talking about? Study what?" <laughs> so he called Francis Coppola over. He says, "Francis, this guy's playing my son-in-law." I never broke. I was there on my ego. I just wanted to be in the movie. Who cared? They didn't even know. They didn't know it was going to even come out at the time. They kept canceling it, firing people. So he says to me, I says to Francis, you better rethink this. This guy undermines my family, gets my son, Sonny, killed, gets my youngest Michael into the business. I don't want him in the business. And I said, wait a minute. Now, I wouldn't, I don't know protocol on a set. I've never been on a set, even in rehearsal. So I said, Francis, go over there a minute. I want to embarrass this guy. And he left because he, he didn't get me in the movie. The whole room went silent because they're saying, who is this guy? I'm wearing Brioni suits already at you know, 26 years of age. They were all, they look like my garden dress better than these kids the way they show. <laughs> <laughs> so he leaves. As soon as he leaves, the room gets silent. Turn around and figure out who I was. So they told me, don't look at him, don't talk to him. I put my arm around him. I walked him into the back where the games were. I knew there was no game going on. I didn't want to embarrass him. And I go nose to nose with this guy because everybody's been saying, you're not going to be in that movie. I'd never be able to go back to the neighborhood. They all thought I lied to them. I didn't lie. I had the part. <laughs> so I went to him. I said, listen, all due respect to who you are, Mr. Brown, though I know that's all your movies great, but you screwed us up for me. You get me fired. I will suck on your heart right here. You will bring yeah. up that. I step back. I don't know who he's going to call a cop or whatever. He said, that was brilliant. You could do this part. He thought I was acting. I was ready to whack him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I want to ask you another question. Are you a made man? Were you ever a made man? Nope. And never I'm made. My, my, my grandfather never was either. His uncle, Angelo Russo, was a major guy in, in Sicily. And when I came here, everybody was impressed with that. You know, and all, that's all we knew. But I have to say, Frank Costello and Maya Lansky kept me away from it. Because I was, I was impressed with it. And they wanted me clean for their own reasons, because I was carrying money everywhere. Right. And at that time... I was a gimp even. My left hand, nobody was going to bother me. I'd be walking with $10,000 going going from Tut Shores to, to the Pope that night. Who's going to bother a cripple? <laughs> I, I, went, I, I had to deliver breadcrumbs, no, breadsticks to somebody in Las Vegas. So they gave me the box, the fucking box weighed about 40 pounds. <laughs> and it was breadsticks. And I flew uh, to Las Vegas with some friends on the plane. 
and they kept worrying about the breadsticks. So I left them on the floor. They kept saying, Ron, pick up, kick the bread. I said, screw the breadsticks. I said, and stop it because you're making the breadsticks too important. People are going to wonder what's in the breadsticks. I never knew. I, all I know is I got a lot of money tip for bringing the breadsticks. But my father was a union delegate for the Painters Decorator Union. So I had a lot of people in my house my mother used to have dinner for with uh, big names. And my father would say to me all the time, you never heard these people. They were never here. And you don't know these names. But that ruined me because today I don't remember anybody's name. <laughs> Are you the same way? I was so trained. No, no, to I remember everybody's name. because No, I was trained to forget people's names. Oh. And I, I can't remember. He doesn't remember. But that. my father was not in the mafia. Actually, the fact no, that wait, he remembers on, you is good. <laughs> my father was fluent speaker in Italian, so he used to talk to all the union delegate, all the union. What, what dialect? Vote. Just out of curiosity, he used to tell them to vote. What dialect? He said. What dialect? My father spoke pure Italian. He was from Genoa, but his Italian was pure. My mother was Barres Napolitan and Calabrese, and that's yeah. the mafia side, the Napolitan side. Well, my father was Genovese, and he spoke to all the people to vote for Schoenfeld and people like that. It, then Schoenfeld and somebody took over $3 million, all right? <laughs> so I told my father always, Papa, where's the money? He said, I don't know. My father was in his deathbed. Do you think I went over there? I said, Papa, before you die, what's the difference? They can't kill you. He said, you're dying. Where's the $3 million? He said, Ronnie, if I knew, I would have spent it a long time ago. So nobody knew where the $3 million of union dues went. But Schoenfeld and another one, I forgot his name, they they, they robbed it. Wow. I mean, so we, I, we all know the stories about, you know, the Teamsters and all that. And most of it's true, unfortunately. Well, I'm writing a book, and I really, you know... I, 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 a lot, I won't use names in my book. I will never, ever use anybody's name, uh, dead or alive. So it's going to be tough writing about my life without using yeah. real names. I use fictitious names. But what, what, I mean, that's interesting you're saying that because my, my first book, Hollywood Godfather, it's, I'm, I'm happy it's got tw over 2,500 five-star reviews on Amazon. And so they wanted me to do another book. And uh, my lawyer said, Gianni, you got away with a lot in that book. Yeah, right. I think so, too. I was going to go there. You yeah. used real names. You said stuff yep. that you could get knocked off for. How come, nobody, <laughs> how come nobody's ever knocked you off? They tried. I've been shot, stabbed, run over. Forget about it. And, and they still couldn't get you. <laughs> well, no. You know, if, if, you know, the funniest thing, there was one name that I was worried about that was still alive, Junior Persico. And my book came out the middle of March, two or three years ago. On the 10th of March, he died because he was living on I me. Mean, he's imprisoned, but still, I didn't want to, you know, use his real name. So now what I'm doing, my second book, which you have there, The Sixth Family. Right. That's a good one. That's that's the one I like. I breathe I breeze through this one. And this on, go one, back. Let him finish the Packed with goodies. Let him finish. Let him finish. No, wait a minute. Packed with goodies. Trust Ron. Get this book. You won't put it down. It's quick reading, and it's really full of. Are you going to turn know. that one into a movie? I don't, I, you know, everybody says that. I, my, I think it could be a movie, Johnny. Oh, I yeah. Think, no, 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 I no, think no. the script is in here. Well, we we write it that way. Pat and I are, yeah. are basically, you know. And there's a part in it for me also. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever um, one you think it works for you, well, you got it. 
My next question. Wait, 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 wait. I, I want you, Jimmy. You ask him all this publicity shit. I, I know, but I want to. First, I want to tell everybody. I know. I'll tell you. First of all, everybody. So here's the book, you guys. It's Hollywood Godfather: My Life in the Movies in the Mob, um, by Gianni Russo with Patrick Piccarelli. Is that yeah. how we pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it everywhere. Uh, also, Gianni's uh, website is giannirusso.com. And his uh, Instagram is is uh, real Gianni Russo. Okay, ask a question. No, it's not a question. It's a statement. I read the book, and I've seen him on television and YouTube. And I've got to say that I couldn't find one lie or one bullshit story that Johnny said. Johnny's probably the most honest uh, writer and uh, raconteur of stories of the mafia. He really knows what he's talking about. It's authentic. It's real. So don't be fooled by the bullshit that Hollywood puts out where everybody is just some crazy machine gun crazy nut job. Johnny Russo will talk to you in this book. It's like he's talking directly to you. He writes that way. He writes like you're having lunch with him, which brings me to I was having dinner with a very famous person, wise guy, and We're good friends. We're buddies. And I said something to him and he said, you know, Ron, if my boss said to kill you, I would have to. And I love you. I said, you would really kill me? He said, yeah, if my boss said kill Ron, I have to do it. I said, but that's bullshit. How could you say you love me? He said it would bother me. I would feel bad, (laughs) but I would still have to kill you. Well, yeah, that was the the old way. No, but I turned to his wife and I said, if ever I say a bad word about your husband, kick me in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another question for you because I, I like took little tidbits out. So one, I heard that it says that you went on a date with Zsa Gabor. And the number two, it said oh, you had Jesus, a, you yeah. had a three-way with Liza Minnelli, which Ron doesn't like Liza Minnelli, but it said you had someplace I read you had a three-way with Liza Minnelli. So are those two true things? Well, the date, the date with Zsa uh, Gabor, I would never went to. I knew her. Merv Griffin called me up. And he said, Johnny, do me a favor. We're having the premiere of MAME in the Cynodrome. It was a big thing. And he's going to be there on one side of the sidewalk. Army Archer is going to be on the other side. It'd be great publicity for you. I just did, you know, just made the Godfather. So I said, okay. And she was living in Howard Hughes's house in, in, uh, right, right up the block where I was living. Brent, she lived in there uh, up in Brentwood. Yep. Uh, exactly. in, uh, up in, uh, what do you call it? I know where she lived. Bel Air. Bel Air. Bel Air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Bellagio Drive. I know. So uh, so now I I call her, and you know you, you, you know she, she has a very distinct voice, and she said, where, "Where should I pick you up?" I said, "Well, I'll pick you up. I'm a gentleman." So what kind of car do you have? I said, <laughs> "Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how you know that." And I had a, a, a custom built. People know me. I still had the car for a long time. I had a 66 Bentley Stretch Silver Cloud, Cocoa Brown. It was an amazing car. So she, oh, I told her about the car. So we go there. This is a funny story. I hope I don't offend anybody. So I pick her up. She comes out. And she's, and I have a tendency when I'm sitting in a car with a woman, I put my hand on her leg. And I knew, you know, we're under all that chiffon and all that sh- stuff she had on. <laughs> She looked at a lampshade in my grandmother's living room. I'm saying, what am I doing? What am I doing with this lady? I'm 28 years old. I could be with anybody. So now I put my hand on her a leg. My my hand would not bend. It just was so I knew how big she was. Because we always wear all this stuff. 
Long story short, we go to the premiere. We open the door, and Merv Griffin, who's a great practical joke, if you guys, I'm sure you guys met him. Oh, I know Merv, and he was as gay as a lock. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> gayest, story. Gayest of gay. Always had two beautiful boys with him whenever I saw him. But the interesting thing, as soon as I get out of the car, he says the first time in public, Jaja Gabor and Gianni Russo just got engaged. Ah. My, my, my mother's watching the show. I had people. <laughs> I wanted to kill him. She made her, she, your mother made a novena for sure. Hello, Mara Rugger. was very good too. I did 23 Murf Griffin shows. I never met Jaja, oh, but wow. my best buddy, Mr. Blackwell, if you know who Mr. Blackwell is. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Richard would not attend. Yeah, buddies. He went to her house to meet her for the first time. And as he walked into the living room, she was on her knees picking up the dog shit with a piece of paper. Oh. And she didn't even look at Blackwell. And Blackwell said, hello, Jaja. And she ignored him completely because she was picking up the dog duty. So Blackwell said, it was very nice meeting you when he left. Because <laughs> <laughs> Richard, you know, he didn't play with Mr. Blackwell. No. He was, he was very Fierce. So, wait, go back to the Liza Minnelli then. Did you have a three way uh, with Liza Minnelli? How could you have a three way with Liza? No, Liza, Liza, and I got really close. I met Liza through her mother when she was a kid living in New York because we used to go to her apartment late at night. We'd go to PJ Clark's and oh, I love 72nd Street, and the kids were getting up, her brother Vincent and her. And now, spin forward, you know, I do this movie, she's doing what she's doing, she's appearing in Vegas at the Riviera Hotel. So I used to go see her all the time. So with that, we went across the street to the Stardust Hotel. And I didn't know she was bisexual. So we're sitting there, and a girl, I'll never forget her name, Emilita Escavel, was starring in a, in a lounge show called The Bad Touch of Vegas. The ceiling opens, and she comes down this rope like a cobra. I looked at Liza. I said, Liza, look at this body. She said, I know. I remember that show. Well, well, then you Emily. That's who we had the threesome with. We were like a, t two guys fighting <laughs> over a woman. I completely. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I like love it. Yeah, Liza and I don't get along. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh no, we don't get along at all. <clears throat> no, I, just, I hope she's I, feeling better though. I, I had to. I was doing a thing for Jane Russell. She wanted me to get Liza to do a benefit for her to put a roof on her church. So Jane oh, wow. says to me, here, call up Liza, see if Liza will come in as a guest for free. So I call up and Liza answers the phone. I said, hello, Liza. This is Ron Russell. Who? I said, Ron Russell. How did you get this number? I mean, I the phone's being changed. The phone flew in the air. It hit something. A man picked up the phone. This number's going to be changed. How did you have I mean, like crazy people. So I said, calm down. And they hung up. So I called Jane back. I said, Jane, they're crazy. This is what they did. She said, oh, I gave you her cellular. I said, well, don't do that. So now I call up the manager, who's a wise guy from Brooklyn, talks just like I do, right? Oh, I know him well. Okay, you know who I'm talking. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Of course, he, wait, he, was, said, he went said, to jail. He wait, took listen. a bit. He took a bit. I to, said to, to him, "Westbury Music Bear." John, yes. I said to him, "Could you get Liza to do a benefit for Jane Russell?" He said, "Yeah, for sixty-five thousand dollars." Yeah. I said, "What are you talking about, sixty-five thousand dollars?" I said, "I could get Patty Labelle for thirty-five thousand." He said, yeah, but that's not Liza Minnelli. I said, yeah, but Patti LaBelle can sing. 
Well, Ooh, don't you think it got back to Jane Russell? <laughs> Jane calls me up. She said, what the hell did you tell Liza Minnelli's manager? I said, I don't know. What was so shocking? She said that Liza can't sing. I said, I never said that. I said that Patti LaBelle sings better. And we can get Patti LaBelle for 35000 I said, screw him. He was going to be tough with me. Not that he picked the wrong number to be tough with. So Jane Russell started to laugh. She said, Ron, don't ever do that again. I said, well, don't ever give me anybody's cell number again, Jenny. <laughs> so hold on. Let me brag a little. All right. So some of them besides, okay. So we talked about, hold on. Let's go. Both books, you guys, Hollywood Godfather, my life in the movies in the mob, the sixth family, a Gianni Russo novel book one, which is there a book two coming? Yes. Okay. Book two is coming. I made a four book deal with Amazon. I can't believe it. Amazon's been so good to me. I never wrote a book. The, the book, A Godfather, has sold 85,000 copies. I didn't, that's I, awesome. didn't, I didn't know that was good. They thought that was like insane. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's and good material, baby. You write good. Listen, do you have any regrets? Would you have liked to have been a plumber living on Long Island with three kids and seven <laughs> grandchildren instead of the crazy life that you live? Because you and I live a very crazy life. So and we have to living it. Dude, that's what I like about it. <laughs> yes. yeah, but we have to be a little nuts. You and I have to be a little crazy to live the life that we lived and been with places and done what we I I'm not as hip as you are, but I'm close to it. You got me you beat. No, I, I always I in fact I used it in one trial one time. You spend five years in 1949, August 7th, until I was 12. I came out of Bellevue on the seventh floor, five years straight, quarantined. I am nuts. <laughs> well, you, know, you know, everybody has a nickname in Brooklyn, and mine was Crazy Ronnie. So, okay. I, I mean, to this day when they see me, hey, Crazy Ronnie, how are you? Because I would do the things that nobody else dared to do. Yeah. I was always the guy that would go and do it because I was never afraid of anything. I'm still not afraid. And then when they all found out that I was gay, I thought, oh, shit, they're going to hate me, kill me. Not true. They didn't care. They never, they never mentioned it. They no, never. Once, you, once you're, they're your friend, that's it. You know? No, no, but my, my, they never told me you're gay. They never, they still treated me like, but only one big cop or two cop or big shot said to me, Ronnie, if anybody ever hurts you, you call me and let me know who they are. We don't want anybody to like beat you up or hurt you or stuff like that. Right, right, right. So I felt good about it. But well, they that's just, why I'm saying once they like you, no matter who, once, once you're their friend, you're their friend. I'm their friend, and they know it. They can trust me, and uh, I see them whenever I can. I love them very much. I miss them a lot. I miss the food. I miss the hospitality. When you go in the house, sit down. What can I get you? I got some gabagol. You want some over there? I got a pasta. You want a little bit of lasagna? I got a, you know what I mean? I, I Pasta chota, sit down. I miss that because in California, you could drop dead if you go to somebody's house. You don't even get a glass of fucking water. <laughs> I mean, they don't even offer you a cup of coffee here. I mean, here in California, they don't know from food. Drugs. You want some Coke? I got some LSD. I got that shit for you. But they don't have food. At least you go back home. The Italian hospitality, you cannot beat it. So hold on. I want to bring it around to entertainment. So, okay. So so uh, I'm going to brag a, a few credits. We got Godfather Parts 1 and 2, Good Night, My Love, Lepke, Chances Are, The Freshman, Any Given Sunday, The Family Man, Super Mario Brothers, Rush Hour 2, Seabiscuit, <laughs> um, 
So you've been in all these movies. Did you know when you did the first Godfather movie and they didn't even really want you to be there? Were you like, when you finished with that, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an actor. Because some of those are huge, like Seabiscuit, Rush Hour 2, Family Man, Freshman, Any Given Sunday. Those are all really huge movies. Some of them I helped produce. I mean, Any Given Sunday was a big movie. Big uh, movie. Pacino called me. He was having dinner with, with um, what's his name? Uh, big producer. He did. He did the JFK too. He's gonna hate me for this. Anyway, he was he was director, and uh, they were in Dantana's. So I went there, and he said, "Johnny, you know a lot about football." I said, "No, oh, my brother-in-law does. My brother-in-law was Pat Bowen, and they just won the Super Bowl." And I didn't realize that when they bought the script, Warner Brothers, and uh, he was studying Shanahan, and he wanted to meet Mike Shanahan. So I, I called Pat on the phone. We were sitting there on the cell phone. And I said, he said, what do you call my house so late for? I said, I'm with a guy that wants to talk to you. He said, who are you with? I said, Pacino. And I just took the phone away. I said, Pacino, Pat Bowen. I handed him the phone. They talked for an hour. <laughs> oh, wow. Oliver Stone. I just Oliver that. Stone. That's the guy. Yeah. Oh, Oliver yes. Stone. I love him. Oh, oh, for a nice, wait, you're originally, where are you from? I didn't right here, that. New York City, all my life. Yeah, but you didn't stay in New York where? Well, I was from downtown, and no, then, but you know, then where, I went to Bellevue. Give me, give me the name, the number. Wait, what street? One two one Mulberry. Mulberry. One two one Mulberry. Mulberry. No, so you're from Malta. You didn't write that in the book, Mulberry. And I was no, wondering. No, where, no, no, no. I was wondering where you were from. If you're from Mulberry Street, that's really. Uh, oh, gee, I had so many people that own restaurants. They're friends of mine. Oh my God, yeah. they still do. No, but that's, I mean, I mean, you know, I didn't do, I didn't mention my children. I got a lot of children. This right. is something I'm writing. I don't want to infringe on them. Some of my kids are very famous on their own right. Why put, why put them in this book? You know, I didn't know how it was going to be received. So to me, it, this is my life. And the reason, I don't know if you digested, the last page in the first book is Yes, You Can. And now I have a foundation called Yes, You Can. Right, because if I could do it, anybody could. I'm an illiterate. I don't. Even, I can't even write my name, not alone a book. If it wasn't, if it wasn't, a, if it wasn't for Pat, we did. If anybody phone, I never met this guy when this book came out. I didn't meet him. I did my but phone and recorded it. That's what I liked about your books. You're a street writer. I'm a street writer. We're not fancy schmancy. We don't use words that nobody understands. We use words. We talk street, and you wrote street. And no, I understand. No, it's funny that you said that. Dan Moldia, uh, a, a guy called Frank Wyman, who was with the literary group, one of the best literary uh, uh, agents you can have, he was setting me up for this book. And Dan Moldia just wrote the, the Clinton book, and he wanted to do it. I said, I don't know you. I mean, Gay Talese is very close to me, and Gay, Gay's my neighbor here. And they all were very interested in doing it. I said, well, you know, what do you know about me? Can you write a three or three or four page synopsis? They looked at me like I had two heads. Saying, <laughs> you want me to write something or write your story? Forget about it. Forget he about finds it. this guy, Pat Piccarelli, who, as soon as he picked up the phone, I said, What do you know about me? This is going to kill you. He said, What do I know about you? I've been on a job in New York. I, I retired as a lieutenant in OCB. For the last 10 years, I was trying to wretch you because I knew you've been doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love the guy immediately. <laughs> now, I, I want to ask you the most provocative question of all. In the book, you talked about killing someone. 
I killed three people. Two people. Well, I'm going to go with the one. Tell you're blowing all my lines, Jimmy. <laughs> he does that. He steps on everything I say. I was going to go to. He this said it too, though. Yeah, but I was going to go with the first one. Then I'm going to say, okay, now one you got away with. How come two you, you got away with that too? So tell me about it was all self-defense. Yeah, everything right. I don't. I don't want. <laughs> I think I was going around killing anybody. The first kid was a pedophile. wasn't a kid. He was like 20 years old, and he was a pedophile in the hospital. The second one was a guy that, you know, came into my club and he, he stabbed a lady called Lorenzo, uh, uh, um, what's her name, uh, Lois Manis. His name was Lorenzo Morales. He was an underboss for Pablo Escobar. I'll give you the date I did it. That's why, I mean, I don't know how many people killed anybody. You never forget the date you do it. <laughs> October 28, 1989, in my club, this guy came in and stabbed this lady with a, with a champagne bottle. And I had Steve Sharip as my doorman. He was going to UNLV for hotel school. And I hired him and put him in a tuxedo because he's a big guy. So I called the front door. I said, Steve, get to table seven. He said, I ain't going over there. And for your audience who don't know who Steve is, Steve was in the Sopranos. And now he's in Blue Bloods. The guy has a big career, but that's where he was. But he wasn't going over to this maniac. The only reason I went over there, I knew I had to get the lady to the hospital. He stabbed well, him in the face with a broken bottle. And then he wound up cutting my throat, and then I killed him. But, you know. Get rid of another scumbag. Wait, so, that, so you know, two people. Now, that, what about the first one? How'd you knock him off? With a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> I read that. No way to broom. I I don't know why. Dolores Barone was the floor nurse. She and I was I was pretty good looking when I was a kid. And she said, "You got to watch out for this guy." And I said, "Why?" And I didn't know about pedophiles or anything like you know. I was a kid. I was eleven years old, going on twelve, and and confined there all those years. And basically, he was taking. He was a physical therapist, but taking advantage of these poor kids. But I put a broom, the little porter's brooms that you see in the, in the theaters. I don't even know if they make them anymore. So they wouldn't give you a bedpan anymore once you had some strength because they wanted to encourage you to get out of it. A lot of kids were just laying there and dying. They gave up. I watched 2,300 kids die in that room. Wow. Oh, wow. 20 beds. That's why, you know, if you, if you don't get calloused and, and totally senseless, and walk out like I did. Fortunately, I'm still here. But the bottom line, I took the porter's broom. I crawled onto the floor. We used to drag ourselves to the bars and then go to the bathroom. Well, I couldn't stand at a urinal because I had no balance. So I used to sit on the bowl. I don't know what made me snap the bristles off the broom. And I'd sit there and I sharpened the broom handle in the grout of the floor tile. And then I took the broom handle. And I put it in the radio. The radiators were hung on the walls those years. And I hung it, put it in behind there so nobody would take it. And I always went to the fourth store. And sure enough, one night he came. And that's how I was able to kill him because I was sitting lower. My right side of my body, after dragging myself for two years, was a, still my, my, my right side is still so powerful, just from memory muscle. And he was standing over me and... Fortunately, I hit him under the rib cage, and it went right out his back. So, wow! 
Yeah, no, I was, well, I was so afraid, you know, and then that was it. But, um, that's cool. It's, it's, well, ped pedophiles should get that. I, I hate pedophiles. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think they're the sickest people in the world, but unfortunately, they exist. But you, fatto bene again, altro volto, fatto bene. You speak, <laughs> you speak Italiano. No, like, so I, I speak a dialect from Sicily. Right, I speak a Sicilian, Ido Ado. Ido Vistaga. Ido. I also wrote down you defeated you you won twenty three different criminal indictments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I think all the like cool he was stuff. innocent all the time. <laughs> I, that's why I have a short neck, you know. A tiny short neck goes in front of the judge saying, "I don't know what I'm doing." I don't know. <laughs> that's why I have a short neck. <laughs> I know that. That, that. That I've heard that before. <laughs> oh, but that that so was Johnny. A yes, Johnny. Uh, in your crazy life, what is the most valuable thing you're taking with you on your last breath? I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm so confident. I don't know if I'm going to die. <laughs> we will do. There you go. I, I like that. I hate to break. I am going to take with me on my last breath the love for my daughters and Jimmy. Oh, that's well. That's great. And my little dog. Yeah, we that's love fabulous. Uh, that's what I'm taking on my. But you guys story. are in the same basically ballpark, you know, age. So. Oh yeah, definitely. you're younger. I'm 82. I'll be 83. You're 80. Yeah, you, we, I think we look damn good, and we're pretty, you know. No way, and we're younger. Like we move around like younger. Where do you live now? New York or LA? I live here in New York most of the time. I still. People thought I was in real estate for a while. I have ten mothers to my kids. I was buying houses for them. So I have a house that's still in L.A., well over. I mean, I used to go to Palm Springs all the time. We, it's where we live. We live in Palm Springs. I know. Hey, I, I, Palm I, I Springs know. is not the same. It's no longer movie stars, and uh, it's, yeah. it's gotten to be L.A. Yeah. Well, thank God you're not in L.A. I mean, look at that. I mean, all the it's I mean, successful. But you know what, Johnny? I was born on Columbia Street in Red Hook. Oh, wow. Brooklyn. You go back to Red Hook now, forget about it. It's like the Riviera. It, the homes are those dumpy apartments. They fix them up. The restaurants are fabulous. Have you ever been to Red Hook lately? No, You know what it is? I don't drive, believe it or not. I, I, I drove when I was a kid for a while. Then I got a driver because I drink too much. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't even go to a bar. I wouldn't know where to drive. I don't drive. And I'll, tell you easy. But, I'll tell you I'll tell you what. When I come to New York, I'll pick you up and I'll take you to a great restaurant in Red Hook. The food is absolutely incredible. Well, is that I'll a date? You, I'll we can talk. You, take you up on that. And then you have to come here. You know, I went on the land for two years. You probably read it in the book after the Kennedy assassination. I, and they sent me away. So what I did, I had a boat at that time. Nobody realized it in Madeira, Spain. So they could never find me. And I have three different passports. So when I left, they could never find me. Not that I did anything. They knew I was a messenger. They knew I was with, you know, with so many people and all these conversations. And, and I spent every weekend with Senator John F. Kennedy at the Sands Hotel while they were grooming him. I was a kid. I was 16, 17 years old, hanging out with all these people. I was the eyes and ears for Costello, bringing them everything back that he wanted to know. But I, I, I went to every great restaurant for France, Spain, and all that. 
I became a saucier. I graduated from the Cordon Bleu. I am a bona fide saucier. And (laughs) you have to come to my house because I have dinner parties that I sell for charities. Oh, that's cool. Oh, lovely. We'd love to do it. I think you and I would have a lot of fun together if we spoke because we, oh, could, talk, sure. we could talk more openly about yeah. the crazy shit that's happened in our lives. Oh, yeah. Like one time I was in the limo with a bunch of the boys and they were a little, you know, drank a lot of wine. And one of the guys said, I bet you I could get to zero in that full stop sign. I said, okay. So he shot the full stop sign and the bullet went up in the window. And I thought, oh, my God, God forbid we, you know, he shot somebody in the yeah. apartment. And then they would keep driving and they'd say, I bet you we could shoot out that street light. <laughs> oh, no, they did that all the time. I'm mean, That's why when, when these guys used to go over the Verrazano Bridge, they wanted to shoot, <laughs> shoot the zero and the 60. That was a big contest. You, you, and if you didn't get it, you have to pick up the check for the night. So they were really trying on <laughs> You know what my favorite restaurant was downtown? Puglio's. You ever go to Puglio's? Oh, yeah, my God. Shit. Tony Tony Puglio was a friend. He was a sweetheart of a guy. On and his Grand wife Grand. was a doll, too. No, not Grand. It was before. It was right right off of Mulberry. I knew it well. Yeah. You know, we used to go there all the time, Sonny Grasso, until he died. Yeah, Puglio's made delicious food. I love Puglio's. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're still, I mean, Lamella is still great. Well, I mean, they're not there. They passed away. Tony and his wife, uh, they're no I know, but Frankie C. And the sisters still run it. That's all oh, they do? Oh, yeah. I, I haven't been there in years. I'm going to go when I go. We're out here in this shit and desert. You know, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I miss bricks. I want to come back so bad. We're thinking of moving to the Hamptons and buying a house in the Hamptons uh, and working from there. You know, we fly all over. Today, oh, yeah. the air, with the airplane, you go all over. You don't have to uh, be in the action anymore. You go to the action. No, that's right. And Jimmy, I'm in about nine movies coming up this year, so we'll be doing work. Wow. God bless. Yeah, but we're not even in LA. Half of the time, I'm in Arizona, Nevada, New York, New Jersey, all over. And they're the place. shooting all over the place. Yeah, so there's no point in staying in California anymore. No. The cost of living here is insane. I mean, the earthquake. We live on the San Andreas Fault. Oh <laughs> now they're talking about the fault may explode any minute. So. So let me do some promos real quick. The worst thing that can happen to you in New York is your cab kills you. You know, once you yeah, So you guys, this is Gianni Russo. You can Who's follow a great person. You can He's a terrific follow him guy. on Instagram at real Gianni Russo, G-I-A-N-N-I-R-U-S-S-O. He's got two books with another one coming. Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. Great, great, phenomenal book. We've also got The Sixth Family, a Gianni Russo novel, book one. Book two is coming, and imagine that uh, – That probably- just came out. That came out on my birthday. Yeah, it's that really- one just came out, and they'll this, have this a movie. Is, this is the one I really enjoyed. I like that one, but this one I loved. So it's very good, you guys. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, yep. Check out all his stuff. He's also got a bunch of CDs and music streaming on Spotify, or you can go to iTunes and get it. Um, he's got a podcast. Do you do your podcast regularly? Every week I drop a new show. So every week a new show, you guys. It's called the Hollywood Godfather Podcast, and you can just Google that on YouTube, right? And it'll be oh, there. Oh yeah, it's on yeah, it's Spotify. It's all like a lot of the. I mean, we're not on as many platforms as you, but once we get popular, we will be. <laughs> oh, I, I, now, I, I like love it. After reading your books and seeing you on YouTube, I said to Jimmy, "Get this guy on our show." I wanted to get to know you. I am so happy that you came on our show. I appreciate it. Believe me, I am so happy that I know you. 
Okay. And I'm so happy that when we come to New York, we're going to get together because we will. you're a good guy. I think of you as you're a paisano. You know, you're a good guy. Oh, I am, really. <clears throat> we're, 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 we're all related, baby. Somehow, so we, probably. <laughs> that's right. We're related. So we want to thank you for coming on the show, and we'll be in touch. And if you need anything, let us know. And again, everybody, get us books. And thank you. You're a great guest. Thank you so much and for I coming do. on the show. And I think you've lived an incredible life. Read his books, and you will live his life with him through his books, because he writes that way. Please, I'm telling you right now, get these books. They're the best. And Johnny, you're the best. Take care, Paisano. Thank, thank you, you so much. Take care, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. Right now. Yay. All right, everybody. So we're going to bring on our next guest. I, before, love, I love that interview. Before we bring on our next guest, we're going to play a quick video for you guys. This is the uh, trailer for Flash Gordon, and Ron's going to do a little quick. No, no. Why do you open uh, your big track? So anyway. Diarrhea mouth. He's got a diarrhea mouth. So He's go, everybody. Here's the Flash Gordon trailer. You got a minute. Go. Flash Gordon trailer, it's everybody. Enjoy. You. Yes, it is. Hello, Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell listeners. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, said she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. Their food! What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. This worked amazingly for our dogs Shazam, Astro, and Brandy. We are noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat, just looking and acting younger. They love it. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. I like to play with things a while before annihilation. Pathetic Earthlings! <laughs> Who can save you now? Flash! Prepare her for our pleasure. Don't kill him yet, Father. I want him. Go, Flash, go! Flash! Flash! Ah! 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 Ah!
so that's the Flash Gordon trailer. And now we're going to bring on our next guest. Make sure we can hear him. And once we know we can hear him, then we'll actually like introduce him. So go ahead, Juan. Bring him on. Hey. Hey. Do you hear me? And we can hear him. All right, everybody. Super excited. Now we're welcoming to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, Sam J. Jones, also known as Flash Gordon. Hey, what's up? And welcome to the show. Hey, th thank you, Jimmy and Ron, for having me. And what a great interview with uh, Gianni right there. Yeah, he's a superstar. I, I, Sam, I was best friends with Jane Russell. I knew Betty Davis. Oh my God. I knew all the great legends of Hollywood. And I was never really that excited. And knowing you right now, I am the most excited because you are my hero. I love and adore you. For years, I have said to Jimmy, get him on this show because I am a Flash Gordon freak. Look at my strata sled. <laughs> so that's a 1930s strata sled that I got him. Listen, when I was a little boy, I grew up wanting to be Flash Gordon because oh, of Mr. Crab. I used to watch it in the movies, and then I watched it on television. I love Ming and Princess Azura and, and Dale Arden. So I wanted to be one, an actor, of course, and my dream was to play Flash Gordon. And then I read in the papers, this fucking good-looking guy is now going to play Flash Gordon. And I thought, how can I have him killed so I, <laughs> so I could get the part? All my life, you son of a bitch, oh. I wanted to play Flash Gordon. That's amazing. It is the greatest yeah. role anyone could ever play. And yes, you well. did it. And you did it so well. Well, thank you. And you mentioned my Buster. Hero. Yeah, you, you mentioned Buster Crab. What, what an incredible human being. A lot of people don't know, but he actually traveled with me in the, well, probably two weeks before the premiere. So that would have been the second week of Christmas, 1980. And he traveled with me. We, we did a couple talk shows together, and he helped promote Flash Gordon. So he, he was amazing. So this is a shirt. I used to be a clothing designer, so I made this one-of-a-kind Flash Gordon shirt for him before, when we first started dating like 10 years ago. Then for Christmas two years ago, I bought him this. It's an actual 1930s Stratus. Oh. What do you call it? A Stratus? Stratus sled. Stratus sled from the 30s. And then I bought him like eight years ago. Go ahead. Look uh, at this. That's this a Buster Crab action Crab figure. Oh my gosh, where did you find that? Action figure. I got and, it on eBay. And it's it got, cost a fortune. Wait, it's got the Stratus sled in it. It's got the ray guns. It's got everything. And it's got Buster Crab's face. And then we Amazing. have a friend who wait, lives. And then I have you. Here you are. Look at you. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> there you go. That's Sam Jones. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's Sam Jones. And then as a kid, go ahead and bring him back, Juan. So I, uh, we live in Palm Springs, and there's a guy here who collects movie memorabilia who I got invited to because I collect action figures and stuff. So he brought me to his house, and he's got everything. He's got, like, the original C-3PO, and he's got Robbie the Robot. He's got all, And he has the actual uh, one that they used in the in the TV series back in the 30s, the Stratus sled like hanging you strata know, sled. strata sled it's only like this big you know it's not very big amazing. and yeah, it's actually like got it and now that we've had you on the show i'll be on ebay looking to get my like sam jones flash okay let's get away from, stuff let's get away from flash <laughs> so this is ron huh we have a chat right. room full of people say hi to everybody in the chat hey, room everybody. hey there you go let's go directly to where everybody cannot wait for me to ask you this question playgirl yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you were showing a very well endowed wang <laughs> and I want to ask you not to be confused with Ming. <laughs> no, no, Wang. 
Now, now I want to ask you, did it do good for your career or did it harm your career? No, it it didn't harm. Uh, It didn't. I don't know if it helped, but uh, the reason why I did it, Burt Reynolds was my hero. Uh, You know, he was obviously, you you know, he was iconic. He was a legend back then in the 70s. And he posed for Cosmopolitan. I thought, well, wait a minute. There's my hero. And he's posing for Cosmo. And then I got this offer to to do Playgirl. And I was, you know, I was a complete unknown. um, 1975 wasn't even in Hollywood at that point. Um, And um, I I did it. And 1975, well, they paid me $1,000. Come on, guys. That was a, if you do If you do the inflation math right now, what, what is that, about 25, 50K? Well, 10,000, 1,000. Well, and, and it always had a zero to it. They also said, though, because I think I read someplace online. This is 50 years later, though. Yeah. That's 50, <laughs> yeah. I, I read someplace online, though, they did, didn't didn't make as big a splash until after you were Flash Gordon, and then they made right. a huge splash. Okay, another question. Hey, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, go ahead. I, I don't know if I'm confused, but I, re- I remember seeing – Flesh Gordon. Yes. Did you do it as a soft pawn and then make it into a, a GP? Uh, I didn't know it then, but when we were in London in 1979 filming Flash Gordon, some of the uh, actors uh, played a trick on me. They said, hey, we're going to go watch this old remake of Flash Gordon. And we walked into the movie theater and it was Flesh Gordon, which I knew <laughs> nothing about, but it was a porn. You know, it was a porno film and I was I said you got to be kidding me this is crazy (laughs) but then you also were naked in another movie the one with the baby carriage where you're running around jumping on all over the place oh you're talking about the chauffeur the chauffeur oh my chauffeur with Debbie Foreman who played Valley Girl yeah that was amazing and you were you were bouncing your ass all over that film I got a funny story I got a quick funny story about that if you want me to tell it Yes. First of all, Deborah Foreman is a good friend of ours. She's been yes. on the show like five times. She's a buddy. So here we are filming in the wintertime in L.A., and we're at this park. There's nobody there. It's probably 7.30, and maybe, yeah, 7.15, 7.30 in the morning. The action called for me, get out of the limousine. Uh, I'm drunk, and strip naked and run this way with my back to camera. So my first question was, we, we pulled up, and I said, has anybody scouted out here? He says, what do you mean scouting? I said, well, there's a road. You want me to exit the vehicle, run full speed, and turn right down there about 50 yards. I said, has anybody gone down there to see if anybody's there at the park? <laughs> and the AD said, Sam, it's 7.30 in the morning. Who in the hell is going to – it's 38 degrees, 41 right. degrees, whatever. Who in the hell is going to be here at the park? I said, okay. So uh, uh, roll camera action and – and stripped naked. I ran with my back to camera. I made a right. Uh, I, before I made the right turn as I got there, there is a senior citizen's picnic with everybody <laughs> out there at the park. And I'm stark naked. And all of a sudden, I, I'm freaking out. And this old lady, about 80, yells out, I've seen bigger before. <laughs> 40 degrees out. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> you know when I watched the film, you know what I thought? Oh what? my God, his balls must be killing him. Because when you run, they bounce. I know what mine do. And if they hurt, <laughs> especially in the cold weather, your balls shrink and they get worse. So that's all I could think of was your balls are hurting you when you were running. But, but it was, it was, I mean, uh, 
Imagine a senior citizen's picnic on the winter day at 7.30 in the morning. It was amazing. Now, listen, will you ever do nude again at this age? Oh, I mean, posing, I I, I already did the playgirl thing. There's no reason to do it again. But, excuse me, the couple of the scenes, as you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. As you know, with the men, they sort of um, film the back of us so we can hide the nakedness, the yeah, frontal yeah. nakedness of the ladies. That That's primarily why they use us. I, I did that quick little uh, love scene in the first um, action drama on HBO called First and Ten. Oh, my God. That was such a good – I love that yeah, show. Right. I used to yeah. watch that show, and I didn't actually know that it was you in it, but back when I used to watch it, um, I was uh, a big I, fan I, of Jason Begge. You know, uh, oh, you yeah. know that was kind of like what made his career – and uh, that was a great show, though. I love that show. I'm a great believer in equality. Yeah. Women are exposed in film. You see the vagina, the crack of their ass, their nipples, their tits, everything, right? And yes. a guy is under a sheet. Yes. To me, that is so wrong because you're exploiting the woman. If it's a love scene, the man should be equally as naked as the woman. And there's nothing wrong with frontal nudity because it's part of nature. I believe that way. Would I do a nude scene? No. You know why? I would have to unroll it and possibly trip over it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also, I don't, I don't know. People don't understand. I mean, maybe people can perform, maybe people can do it, but I can tell you when I did that little uh, scene with Debbie, well, it really wasn't a love scene. It was just me running naked. But right. when I did the love scene in the HBO first and 10, there's 80 people standing <laughs> there. There's people. So I thought, oh, you know, and it's again, it was cold again. I don't know why it's always cold on a subject, but I, I mean, the last I, thing you think of is uh, it really performing. You know, it's just acting anyway. There was no, it was just, you know, all the right. motions and the noises. But I, um, I knew I don't know how anybody can perform with 80 people watching. Well, listen, I knew Tony Curtis really well. Yeah. And I asked Tony, I said, when you were making out with Marilyn Monroe and some like it hot, did you ever get a heart on? He said, Ron, I was strapped down. He said, wow. because I, I did. When she was making out with me, he said, I got so fucking hot because mm. he used to make love with her because wow. he always had sex with Marilyn. He gave, he got her pregnant once. He said, yeah, he said, I was strapped down because of, uh, I, so w when you make love with these broads, you get excited or it's just movies? Yeah, but, well, my objective really, uh, when I do it, I mean, it was, uh, I want to make the the actress feel very comfortable. And that one scene um, with the young lady in First and Ten, um, I think we put, I put three or four uh, layers of something between us. A right. part of the sheet, a small towel, uh, uh, maybe a second towel. J just wanted to make, because I could tell, she was a little bit younger, and she was very – I think it was her first project ever. And um, anyway, I, I just wanted her to be comfortable. And But, I did again, I, I, there's no way to get excited for me with 80 people looking at you. I right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I saw, I, like, I, I'm in a lot of movies, but I've never done a love scene. Mm. I don't know why. I've never been in bed with a woman or a man, anybody, or a dog or a cat or a snake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've read that your first movie was Ten. That's that's the Bo Derek movie, right? Correct. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yes. Uh, that's a fucking good. That movie. That was a great. Bo, movie. Bo was incredible. I spent most of my time with her husband, John Derek. Uh, Gorgeous. Having lunch 
probably, I don't know, three weeks of lunches and just picking his brain about Hollywood back there in the late 30s, 40s, and 50s. And he was amazing. He was amazing. And one of the handsomest men on film. Yeah. Really yeah. good looking guy. So let's go back. So let's go to let's go to Flash Gordon. So Flash Gordon, I think I read, and I don't know if this is true, like maybe Kurt Russell and somebody else was up for the role. Like, did you have to audition? And how how was it becoming Flash Gordon? Like what you have yeah, to do? It was a, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, it was a long process. They don't do this anymore because it's not cost effective. They didn't have video back in the late 70s. So if they wanted to put you on film, it had to be a screen test, meaning film. So if you're on film, requires a film crew. Um, so, but other, before they even flew me to London and, and did the old fashioned Hollywood screen test for 30 consecutive days, it was probably seven months, if not more of interviews and auditions in, in LA. And, um, it was grueling. It was absolutely grueling because me with a military background, being a Marine in my mind, I still am. I want you to tell me, I want you, Jimmy, and you, Ron, to say, if there's a project or something, I want you to say right away, yes, Sam, we want you. And if you don't want me, I want you to say, no, we don't want you at all. Uh, up front. Than, up front. Yeah, yeah. yeah, rather than pull me into this holding pattern. Anyway, Flash Gordon audition process was a eight-month, nine-month holding pattern of wow. I don't know what's going on. And finally, when they, when they flew me to London for the 30 days of of the old fashioned screen test. Um, then, then after the 30th day, Dino said, okay. Um, you know, he, they could he, not have picked better. They made you a blonde and you looked a little weird blonde, but, <laughs> but no, but it worked because flash Gordon in comic books was a blonde. And yes. I saw the film, you know, I'm a fan of flash Gordon. It's my, yeah. my whole reason. Yeah. I went to the theater to see it. And I said, I bet you sky's going to look like a piece of shit. Uh, he can never be Buster Crab. Yeah. And when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, it's not Buster Crab. But then after 10 minutes in the film, I said, but he is Flash Gordon. Uh, you really got me to, you got that Buster Crab out of my head and you became Flash Gordon. Cool. Uh, film was okay. It's kind of a fantasy, funny film, really. Yeah. Uh, I still watch it, by the way. <laughs> I mean, because I love Emperor Ming. I, 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 when I was little, we used to play in my backyard with all the kids. And I remember my friend Anthony always prayed, played Emperor Ming, and I would kill him. I couldn't wait to get there. And I, we used to put sticks in the ground with big boxes on it, make believe it was a strata sled. So really, I was Flash Gordon before you. <laughs> <laughs> and I also read it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, and Kurt Russell it, were it, up for it. Yeah, though. Arnold... Flash Gordon with a German accent. No, but I read it online that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kurt Russell no, were two of the people the right they were guy. considering. Sam Jones, of Sam, course they got the right guy. Sam Jones will all, they, they could do 100 Flash Gordons and it'll never be like Sam Jones portraying Flash Gordon. Timothy, oh, cool. Dal Timothy Dalton also like kind of like, you know, you know got uh, started you, you there. You over there, you over there. He Sam, yeah. I think you and I are going to be in a movie together. Which one? I can't talk about it, but I'd be happy when I meet you. It would be nice. We could talk about Flash Gordon. I can't. I know we can. No, no. We we're working, on, we're working on a movie called Gingers uh, that you're going to be in a movie called oh, Gingers. Wait a Hold yeah. on. Oh, I didn't. Well, yeah. So so you obviously know Bobby. Mr. Mr. I, I'm producing He's it. Producing uh, it. They brought me on to produce oh, it. Yeah, what am I talking about? He's the one that told me to reach out to uh, Rob, Rob Marno uh, sent. Yes. And actually, we want to yes, thank Bob. Of course. He was on our show. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. We call him Bobby. Bobby, but, uh, right. He, uh, he 
He's the one who said he was going to see you at a convention in in Europe someplace. And I was like, if you see him, tell him about our show. I want to have him come on the show. And he did. And you and gave me your contact I, information. Uh, and that's how I, you're here. I begged him. <laughs> I absolutely was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, I said, please, I'm begging you. Talk to Sam. Tell him to come on our show. It's a good. I went nuts. Well, you, you, it worked out great. We had we had dinner in Dublin. Oh gosh, I want to say probably ten days ago. I mean, I just I just got back from Dublin. He's and, a great guy. Uh, and Andy was there. But Bobby's wife was there. I mean, just wonderful. It, we, we, I just enjoyed it. And I yes, of course, he's the one that made this happen. And th thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Andy. I'm, I'm glad it happened. I hope it all. Yeah, yeah. And, and the scene we're in together. You walk into a room and I beat you up. I punch you all over. <laughs> I get you and I give a jujitsu flip. I flip you out a window. Then I jump out the window and I kick you all around. And you lay there saying, don't hurt me. I didn't read the same script. <laughs> the big tough Marine. So before COVID, before COVID, we went to a movie premiere and we're pretty good friends with John James. Uh, and yes. you did a movie, Accelerator, with him and his daughter. I see, I wrote it down. Accelerator with uh, Maxwell Caulfield, John James, Sean Young, Ryan Wesson, Mark Capel, and yes. Laura James. Good, good and it's a, actually a really – I don't know if it ever went anywhere, but it was actually a really good movie. Good movie. Uh, yeah. I never and, actually – enjoyed it. So you, so you said you had interviewed John right at that time, or you were in the area? I, I missed that part. Oh, uh, we're friends with him. We met him at no, a convention I, years I, ago. I, I interviewed him about four times. Oh, we've been in his company a lot. Actually, yeah. they were he, uh, all the when dynasty. They, when they came to Palm Springs, the three guys at a, a dynasty show. Yeah, we saw. We saw they had like a cabaret yeah. dynasty show. So yeah. we had. They invited us to the show, and yeah. all three, all the dynasty John, guys came John on our show. John is a good guy. I like John a yeah, lot. It's great. We used to ride Harleys together back in the eighties. We had a we had our own group, and we we take off on weekend trips uh, on our Harleys. Yeah, and I, yeah. I still have a Harley. Well, watch it. You know, how old are you now? Are you uh, I'm 68. 68. You're a baby. I'm 82. I'll be 83. I'm oh, old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, wow. But, yeah, wait till you get to be my age. You still be handsome because you're handsome for 68. <laughs> but your girls go for you, too, right? Yeah, they do. Well, you go into a club or bar. They got to have been happily married for 30 years. Good for oh, you. That don't mean a thing. <laughs> That's not the question. The question, I'm not going to get you in trouble. I didn't say you were, I didn't say you were flirting back. But I know a lot of ladies, if they saw you, they'd say, that's some hunk of man. I'm going to get They're him. saying it in the chat. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, I told them all. I said, ladies, put new batteries in your vibrators because Sam Jones is coming on. <laughs> okay, so hold on. So I and if they forward. go to Playboy and see you oh, naked, they're going to blow right, their vibrators up in pieces. So then we watched a movie, too, not too long ago. During COVID, we have to watch so much stuff because there's like there was nothing to do during COVID. So we watched another movie you were in, uh, Jane and the Lost City. Yep. Uh, that was, was a fun that was movie. Good. I that liked was a fun it. movie. And you were very good in that movie. I liked um, it. What, wait, what was with all the scars on your face? I don't think that was Jungle Which movie was no, it? No, that wasn't which, Jane Which is the movie that oh, we're you thinking of SG-1 where I played the bounty hunter? Yeah. Right, with the scars. One. Yeah. What, what were the scars about? You never, the, well, because the I was a bounty hunter, and, you know, bounty hunters get, get uh, scars. Oh, because the script never told us why you had scars. So hold on. All right, so then I That was a good movie. I like that. That's one. a TV show. I want to move TV forward to Ted. Whatever. All right. So then you're in Ted. So I collect action figures. I've got a room full of action figures. 
and Ron actually got me this when the movie came out because I like loved it. So how I was doing? Ron have more than you do. No. Oh yeah, it probably oh, does. He stands oh no, Jimmy's got a collection of over a hundred. I got about a half a million dollars worth of action figures. Yeah, well, he's got everything. <laughs> he's, he's, I can talk about that, but how many action figures do you have roughly? Oh, uh, I don't know oh, how many they are. 200, 300, 400? Oh, probably more like about 800. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've got, got a lot. I'm probably right under that. I, I've got my, I've got over a thousand pieces. I'm talking about my entire pri Flash Gordon private collection. Oh, I would love to. But I don't that. have all Flash Gordon no. stuff. That would be dope. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mine, mine's all Flash Gordon. Oh, no, that's awesome. Like, Sam, I have everything. Sam, I'm putting together a brochure right now because. I, I want to exhibit it in a museum. Oh, that's terrific. Sam, you ever get to Palm Springs? You live in L.A., well, right? I, I was getting ready to ask you. You guys probably know Chris Spellman, right, who does the yeah. – Yeah, so I know I did his event twice, and um, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. That When I go to Palm Springs, yeah, I, I enjoy doing his event. Well, and, you come over, come over the house. We'll show you Jimmy's collection. I'll make you Italian food. I cook good. <laughs> no, I mean, we're going to be in a movie together. We might as well get to know each other, right? <laughs> I mean, in that in that scene where I beat you up, you know, I, I don't want to hurt myself, especially when I pick you up and I throw you against the wall. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I want. You know why you're not going to hurt yourself, right, Ron? You know why, right? Why? Because you're not going to beat me up. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Flash Gordon. No, no, I want Flash Gordon. I, I want to go back to Ted though, because I think Ted is one of the like is a brilliant movie. The first one, you know, you're really good, and the second one is fucking hilarious at Comic Con. Um, did you yeah. have a good time? Oh, I love that. Did I you have a that. good time doing the Ted films? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. It, it was it was great to be part of his directorial debut um, yes and it was wonderful and um yeah seth was great mark Wahlberg, one of the most humble leading men in hollywood really i just enjoyed it they created such a well professional atmosphere but really just a uh, at ease uh, stress-free um, environment as well it's wonderful I, I like love it in my ted talks i'm so happy you're on our show you know why <laughs> Because you could have been a dick, a real asshole. <laughs> yeah. well, you could have been. You know how many come on our show that after I meet them, I say, fuck that one. I'll never talk to them again. But you are a nice guy. And I'm so happy that the image that I had of you is who you are. I really am happy to have met you because you've been my hero. I know it sounds corny. He doesn't get excited about. Uh, here's, no. let, let me tell you, he a few, doesn't. A few times in my life, but so we're the one of the oldest podcasters in existence. First of all, uh, our, we've been. They didn't even have a term podcaster. We're on. Uh, we just passed our fifteenth year. Fifteen, wonderful. Uh, so and nobody actually and did we're it. Emmy nominated, and we've and got we a billion over, downloads right now. Over five million people will see your interview throughout the world. So, so he never gets excited. I've only seen him get excited for one person before, and that was when we were at an event and he met Sister Sledge. He like freaked Sledge. out. He freaked out. But otherwise, this morning at seven o'clock, he's like already like up. He's like, We got a show today. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait. He's dusting his toys. <laughs> so it's very exciting. So let's talk a little bit about life after flash, the documentary then, because it's all yeah. about you. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of people that are in it, we've actually uh, kind of like know, like Deep Roy's a friend of ours, right. yeah. and uh, uh, it has a lot of people from it. So tell us a little bit about what is Life After Flash for anybody who doesn't know what it is. Well, it's it's, it's a documentary, a, a little bit about app, you know, after Flash Gordon, and I tell you, it was my first documentary, and I 
I didn't, I mean, I know now, but you can't really write a script. You can write an outline, but once mm -hmm. you roll camera, you never know, you never know what you're going to yeah. capture. And, <laughs> and I really, I wanted to be, you know, as men for us to reach other men, we, right. we can't talk about all the good things and all the great things we've done. We have to talk about our failures so we can be transparent. And I think that's how most men, you know, can relate to, to one another. Just anyway, I had to make it real. So when the producer said, Hey, Sam, we want to give you a list of a couple hundred questions and we want you to approve it. And all of a sudden I started reading the list, uh, just the first two or three. And I said, you know what? I don't want to see anymore. I don't want to read any more questions. I want this. When you ask me a question, I want it to be spontaneous. I don't want anything. I don't want anything sanitized or premeditated. Worst. Yeah, and I think it worked. It worked better that way, and you, so you got the real deal. You know, our show is famous. You know why? We're unfiltered. Yeah, we have no script. I have no, some half of the time they come on. I don't even know who they are, and I <laughs> learn. No, it's true. Well, these new jerks. I don't know these new actors. You know these new ones. I don't. No, twenty-two. I, I, 22. Jimmy said, "Oh, that guy's famous." I said, "For what? I never saw him." But Jimmy said he's famous. But when it comes to people in my era, they call me Mr. Hollywood. I yeah. hung out with Jane Russell, Lauren Bacall, Betty Davis. I hung out with all these broads and the men, you know, all my male friends, Cliff Robertson, I know. Yeah. So I have that era in my head. They were great people. They yeah. never fought. They never said unkind words about each other. They yeah. were very, very elegant people. Today, when I'm on a set, it's horrible. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's offended. Everybody's uh, touching improperly or whatever the fuck they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. It's nonsense. And I miss And it. they don't give him marks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was on a set and I said, where are my marks? He said, there are none. I said, what? Oh, I, my I have, gosh. I have to walk across the room. He said, yeah, walk across the room, go to the window, pull the curtain back, look, then go to the door and open it. I said, but what if I'm out of, cam out of camera focus? He said, oh, no, see the camera, it's up there. It's going to fall. I said, where's the camera? <laughs> oh, yeah. We've done, we're, probably some of the stuff he does is a little even lower budget than some of the stuff you do. So <laughs> well, I, I, I do lower. I ask you, I wanted to ask you, since you, you have so much knowledge and experience uh, with Hollywood in this heyday, uh, do you ever get, go into L.A. and, do, and um, visit Dave and Esther? They have the, they have the Hollywood show. The uh, nostalgia show. It's a it's small Comic Con, but it's where all the I mean, my gosh, you 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 name it. You know all I the. I follow them on Instagram. I follow I, them on I Instagram, who, and, and actually, a lot of the people that they have come have been on our show because we really yeah. liked you know because we're older and our audience is older. We really like you know the the stars of the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, I, I I mean the stars there. You would know every single one of them. Yes. I, oh, I know. I, I know. We've had a bunch of them on our show. Barbara Luna, Barbara Luna. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book right now, and I keep – Jimmy and I – Jimmy drives, and I say, Jimmy, remember this story about so-and-so? I have no idea how many celebrities I have met in my mm -hmm. 64 years. I'm in the business 64 years. My yeah, first yeah. movie was with Sophia Loren and Tab Hunter, and Tab and I became friends and stayed friends throughout until he passed away. Mm -hmm. So I met a lot of, uh, of the legends and the, the, the young ones, I know them. They just, don't, I mean, they just don't come up to it. Yeah. The legends were something special. Mm -hmm. Actually though, 
Like I, because I, uh, I wrote I down. I put you in there with the legends because you're no chicken, you're no spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, some of the other stuff you might have seen Sam on a bunch of TV series. Yeah. I never saw Hollywood Safari, so I don't know what that is. But you did 23 episodes of it. Yeah, Black cool. Scorpion, Stargate SG One, LA Heat, Walker, Texas Ranger, Conan the Adventurer, Silk Stockings, Pacific Blue, Renegade, Diagnosis, Murder, Cobra, Baywatch, Hardcastle and McCormick, Hunter, The A Team, The Spirit. Uh, a movie that I actually liked, and I'm friend. I was I'm friends with Ken Devishian and Jason Lively, and we were friends with John Saxon. Um, yeah. Maximum Force, like you really yeah. got some really cool like actiony kinds of credits. Do you still like to do actiony kind of movies? Well, I love it. Yeah, I did. I I probably did twenty or twenty five movies out of the seventy five I've done that had the title either Force. Or maximum. <laughs> so, you know what? You still you still could do it. You could be a Jason Statement. You could beat up twelve people and people would believe it. Oh, Jason! You're not, you're not old enough yet to say, "Oh, like if I were beating up twelve people, they'd say, who are they kidding? That old goat <laughs> is going to beat up twelve people." How tall are you? He's big. Uh, six three, six three. Yeah, yeah he's a big guy. He's so big you guy. could beat up twelve people in a movie easily. <laughs> If that's what's scripted. <laughs> well, that's what they do today. You, I mean, you know who Jason Statement is. Oh, he's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. That's his favorite. My like, favorite actor Jason because Statham. he beats up 12 people in 10 minutes. <laughs> and without a bruise on him and not even a shirt ripped or not, not even a drop yeah. of blood. He, Honestly, he, I'm, go, ahead. Well, go ahead. What was that movie he did with um, Dwayne Johnson? What what an incredible relationship yes. they, they both had. What's it called? Uh, it was the last names, Hutch, or what yeah. was it called? Um, uh, I can't think of oh, it. It's, uh, I've seen every Jason movie. I've seen it, too, a bunch I of times. It's a very that, good movie. That relationship was incredible. Both and that's them. a spinoff. You know, that's a spinoff of The Fast and the Furious. Yeah, uh, yes. It was a great movie. I'm actually, uh, I did the costume design for Too Fast, Too Furious. I actually oh. have a documentary on the Fast and Furious series coming out mm -hmm. on Vice TV on February 6th, and I'm like in it. Mm -hmm. I'm in this series that's working on it. But uh, I'm also a producer, and I'm working on a bunch of movies. And now that I know that you're cool, once I have financing, um, I've got some cool things for him. We, yes. only hire, we only hire cool people, okay? Actually, that's true. I uh, because I've worked with some people that weren't, you know, that weren't cool, yeah. and, and like I, I, I think when you're on a movie set, you know, it's it's already stressful enough. Everybody needs to be, you know, as cool as they can be. You know, I mean, I haven't done any. I, I don't do anything. I, I, I don't do anything with like AA listers. I do all the A minus listers, um, but they've always been my, cool. My next movie I'm doing soon. I'm shooting a film. I play a father to a very famous actor, hmm. and I've heard tales that he's not friendly. That he does. But his, I heard that's a that lie. That he does his lines and goes in the dressing room and doesn't talk to anybody. That's not good for me because if I have to play his father, I want to know him. Yeah, was he gets killed in the movie, and yeah. the scene, the camera comes close to my reaction. If I don't like him, and they kill him, I'll smile. <laughs> you know, but if I like the actor, it gives me the emotional motivation. Or so yeah. I think so important for actors to get along on the set. Stop this bullshit with "Don't look at me, don't talk to me, I'm a star." Because yeah. you know what? That don't work with me. Yeah, amen, amen to that. You're right. So did you ever work with anybody like that? You don't have to tell us who. I, I have, but you know who mentored me on that on the set of Flash Gordon was Max von Sydow, and Very he, great, he, great he, actor. You know, I was trying to. Um, he he gave me uh, he gave me two very important um, pieces of gold advice. And the first thing he said to me, 
He says, Sam, I've been watching you the past couple of weeks uh, during lunch. He said, you must stop picking up everybody's bill. You let them pay for their own lunch. He said, you need to save your money. Well, that took me about 25 years to heed those instructions, okay? <laughs> but he was absolute. Now, the second bit of advice, so I wanted to return the favor one day. Remember, I'm a rookie. I'm naive. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's coming in. We just did his uh, close-up. Now we're turning camera. And, of course, you know, as you know, big budget movies way back then, uh, even now, when they turn the camera, it's it could be two hours. Um, if you're lucky. If you're yeah, ch changing the light. Anyway, he's coming back to give me off camera. He comes back after two hours wearing his 60-pound Ming the Merciless, big, huge, uh, hand-sewn, beaded, you know, you know the whole thing that Dinati did, weighed 60 pounds. And I looked at him and I said, Max, I said, thanks for coming back to give me my off camera, but you don't need to wear that, my gosh. He looked at me, I'll ne never forget it. He said, and it was prophetic what he said. He said, Sam, my job, an actor's job in giving the uh, in giving the actors close-up, uh, my job is to bring the very best of you out. And I will see to it any way I choose to bring the very best of your performance out. I said, okay. That's awesome. That's a good actor. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Then he stopped and he said, and I expect the very same thing from you. Amazing. So let me tell you, what he said was prophetic. So as I went on to do other films, when, as you mentioned, when there was some big A-list names, uh, half of them didn't show up for the off-camera. Or if they did show up, it was best that they just stay in their dressing room. So right. it was very prophetic what he said. I now, love it. Charles Middleton was the original Ming yes. in the Buster Crab movies. And I thought Charles, uh, Charles Milton scared the hell out of me as a kid because he was a demon. Now I see Max, and I thought, oh, my God, he's as good as Charles Middleton. Yes. He scares you. He, he was wonderful as Emperor Ming. Oh, yeah. no. He, I mean, he, he that, that face he had with that makeup and the way he looked and, Flash Gordon, you are going to the tombs. I loved yes. it. You're now, Dale Arden was originally yes. played by um, – Mm, I forgot. Yeah, oh, her name? Uh, I forgot her name. A blonde, a lovely actress. Oh yeah. my God! I followed her for years. I always wanted to meet her. Come on, Ron. Think. Anyway, point out. Julie, Julie, something? No, 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 no. Uh, her name was. Uh, I can't think. Anyway, yeah. she was the, the. I liked her when she was a blonde in the Buster Crab one. Then the yeah. next one, she was a. a I guess a redhead because it was dark. Yeah. The girl that played Dale Arden, I, I wasn't happy with her because she didn't. She was Gene Rogers. Gene Rogers. Gene Rogers, of course. Yeah, I love Gene Rogers. I Mel Melody Anderson played the played Dale Arden in the in, in the movie. With yeah, but I think they made her too glamorous. They made her way too theater. Uh, I, she wasn't Dale Arden. Dale Arden, don't forget, was a simple girl who was in love with Flash Gordon. And by mistake, she was in the rocket when it went to Mongo. That's right. Did you watch the Buster Crab ones ever? Oh, of, course, of course he did. You know, I, I have, have them. Yes, I have, I have all of them. I he have, actually has I like have the, them from back in the, the whole day. series. So hold on, because we've only got we got three we got seven minutes left. Oh, no, real quick. No. So so um oh now I forgot. First of all, you guys, if you want to follow Sam, he's on Instagram. It's the real Sam J Jones. Make sure you put the J in there. Right. 
Um, um, here's something I like to ask everybody who's an actor uh, who comes on the show. So it's a bucket list, and you've already worked with so many phenomenal people in Hollywood, but male and female that you haven't had an opportunity to work with that you would like to work with, number one. And then the second part uh, of the question would be, um, if you could have ever been in any movie that's ever been made, and the people could be living or dead, they don't have. And, and if you could have ever been in any movie that's ever been made, what movie would you have liked to been in? And then Juan brought up Hobbs and Shaw. We forgot. I couldn't Hobbs think of the name. Hobbs and Shaw. There you go. Yeah. You have it's, such it's, <laughs> upcoming actors, uh, actors that have been established. They, they need to watch that movie with with Dwayne Johnson and Jason. If if you want to get an idea how to how to really uh, get unified uh, and and create a, a relationship with the other actor. That, that, it was powerful. Anyway, um, oh, I, I, I've been wanting to work with uh, Denzel Washington uh, for years. He's incredible. Uh, Clint Eastwood, I came to Hollywood because of Clint Eastwood, meaning I read an article on him in 1976. He inspired me. And a couple of weeks later, I, I came to Hollywood. Uh, well, that's I would like to have a, a, a Mel Gibson direct us, or uh, obviously Clint. It doesn't matter. Uh, if, uh, female actors. Oh my gosh! I just saw this Irish girl who's a big star now uh, in uh, "See How They Run." She, the, the, the the comedic performance of her last name is Ronan. I can't pronounce yeah, her. Sayors Ronan. I don't know how you pronounce Sayors her. Sayors Ronan. Yeah, she, she was incredible. Cool. But, but um, I just yeah. I mean, it's uh, Sam. Where are you? Where are you from originally? Well, my early years were Southern Florida and uh, a year or two in Tennessee. But I can say I'm, I'm in San Diego now for the past 18 years. But I can say California for the past 47. But basically, you were, no, I'm from you were, South Florida. You, I was you born were in from Miami. Florida. Where were you from in Florida? What we uh, I spent some years in West Palm Beach. That's where I grew up, West Palm Beach. I went to Forest Hill High School. <laughs> oh, I, I, I went to Mariloma. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah, so I went to, uh, for, I, I, so I lived in Florida until I met him. So my first 48 years, I was in South Florida. I was a tennis player. Oh, South Florida. and I went to, and I'm a Gator. I went to university of Florida. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Which is fun. I like, love it. Okay. So wait, what movie would you have yes. liked to have been in? If you could have been in any movie ever. Oh, oh, I, you know, I'm trying to think of the movies that really impact the, the movie with Alan Ladd, Ladd Shane. Uh, oh, shame. just yeah, that that impacted me. Um, I probably would have liked to have been in the uh, the early um, Three Stooges. You know, the series. <laughs> Three Stooges. Larry Moore. I, I, I got in trouble in school a lot because um, the three, three Stooges came. Let me see. This would have been 1968 through 72, my high school years. But I, I the Three Stooges came on at seven something. And right when it ended, I walked out the front door and across the street was my school. So I walked into school with the fresh memory of the Three Stooges in my mind, okay? And i never forget it. It was like twice or three times a week the teacher said, because I, I, was, I was performing that, I was reliving it. And the teacher would say to me, go to Dean Thornton's office. So I'd have to go visit the Dean because I was, <laughs> that's so funny because like i watch batman every morning before you know, i went to school when i when I, about 20 something years ago a house was for sale in palm springs and i went to look at it and it was uh mo's house and you know what fascinated me what it was built for somebody five foot two or five foot oh one 
the wow. door the doorways were short the the ceilings were low and i never got over that that he actually built this house in a, to proportion his own size because he was little i don't think he was even 5 foot 1 or 5 foot 2 mm. uh yeah and and it was being sold guess what for 150 or 160,000 oh my goodness now it's probably a million yeah. or two. So whoever bought that house, boy, they made money on it. So do you have anything coming out we should tell anybody about? We got like a minute and a half left. Yeah, it's going to be in my movie, our movie. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a couple of I really loved doing the independent films based on what you and I, what you, especially what you said about actors. Uh, but I, I did uh, An Unlikely Angel, and that's on Pure Flicks, and that, that's got a really good message. It's got some great twists, uh, some uh, – some, um, a miraculous that's happening, but some really good twists too. And um, what else? And then I've got another, I can't talk about a minimum. I'm, I'm signing it right now. So, uh, but I love doing the independence based on our conversation because there's no, Oh, Hey, Sam's in his trailer. It's too right. cold outside. No, I, I never forget. We, we were in uh, Kentucky doing this film. I think it was called the silent natural true story about the first death, major league baseball player in America. And all of a sudden it started to snow. It wasn't scripted to snow. And, and, and the temperature dropped to 35 degrees. The sun's going down. And the director said, we have to move location to get the last shot. It's only 200 yards away. So all the actors grabbed a sandbag and a C stand. And guess what? And we moved and we got the last shot. Okay. Now, if that was a union picture, yes, we oh, not allowed actors to touch are not it. touching C stand oh. sandbags. In a union, you can't even touch your union. You can't even touch your costume or wig. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you get called on the carpet. So, you guys, this is Sam Jones again. Follow who, him. Who I'm going the to real Sam J. Jones. <laughs> uh, check out all of his <laughs> work. Sam, I, I really want to wait, thank wait, wait, you. I gotta say, we got to go because we're out of time. But he's my buddy now. Listen, Sam. How does it feel to have somebody as important as I? A fan of yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I can say is this for you, Sam. I love your humility, Ron. <laughs> I'm famous for that. But here, Sam, I've always wanted to do this. Yes, Thank absolutely. You. Thank you, know. you for my flesh, Gordon. It was wonderful. Thank Sam, you. thank you so much for coming on the show. We wish you all the luck. And anytime you have anything to promote, let us know. And, and we'll I bring hope you back. to see you very soon. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What a wonderful guest. All right, everybody. For this week, you guys, thanks. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, our guests. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we in the mix. Yeah, we in the mix. It's another episode. Here we go. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Interviewing the hottest, newest, and truest of today's celebrities. Make sure to subscribe so you can get notified weekly. Jimmy Star, he's the king of cool. Ron Russell, he's a gorgeous dude. Chat room is live and you would be a fool not to vibe with us at the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Come watch it live on W4CY Radio. Miss some past episodes? Download on iTunes. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. It's the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Oh.